I invite you now to go to your Bible, to the book of Philemon. We're going to be spending our next minutes in this book, which is actually a letter, which is actually just a page in the New Testament. Philemon is one of those books in the Bible that one can just overlook. That one can, you know, you go to first, second, Timothy, you can remember titles, and then whoops, you jump to Hebrews, but there is this little patient between that little, that letter called Philemon. And sometimes we can mistakenly think that we can only get deep, great um, lessons and principle, understanding and doctrine from the big books of the Bible. You know, you go to Romans, you go to First Corinthians. So those are big books that we can learn a lot. Hebrews, per se. But Philemon, eh, have a page. Eh. What can have a page? A letter that small can teach us that will be. Um, I mean, not putting down the word of God. Of course, we know that it's important, but. It's not, Philemon don't seem as important as a book like Romans, per se. Well, in the, in the past few weeks, I've been going personally through the book of Philemon. In fact, it took us a good two weeks over at Mosaic to be able to um, preach about this, this book. It's a very interesting letter. And tonight we want to go over it and um, take, out, take out of it principle and lesson and see what the Lord through Paul was saying to Philemon, which in fact, even though the letter is to Philemon, is actually going to be talking about somebody else. Let's read as you would, please. We, we're going to spend most of our time in verses 10 to 20, but I want us to look first of a little bit of, of the beginning of this book, of this, le this letter, as I mentioned, very short one. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, her brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, and, and our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your home, grace to you and peace from God or Father unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Couple of things I want to mention here before we we continue. When you go to the Bible and you look at the different letters that Paul wrote, um, he always introduced himself: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ; Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. In this particular letter here, he introduced introduced himself: a prisoner for Christ Jesus, a prisoner. Philemon was written from jail. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. And it's interesting to me to see that even though he was a prisoner, he didn't thought of himself being prisoner of the Roman Empire or being in prison because of the Jews or being in prison for, for anyone else. He saw himself, yes, he was in prison, but he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ because Paul was totally sold out to Jesus. And even though he was in a, what one can consider a negative state, something that is contrary and contrary circumstances, we'll see that even in prison, Paul saw an opportunity for the gospel. 
an opportunity for the gospel. Not an opportunity to be bitter, not an opportunity to be um, questioning, but an opportunity for the gospel. Then he mentioned there, when he mentioned Philemon, Aphia, or his sister, we might think that was his wife, and Archippus, the fellow soldier, one that was part with him and his team. But look at the end of verse, at that verse where he said, and the church in your house. Philemon had a church in his house. That means that Philemon was a person of well-off means that could be able to host the church in Colossia where he was from in his house. And of course, one that is uh, a statement that is always known to Paul, always desiring them peace, grace and peace at the beginning of his letter. So we know now that that Philemon was a believer in Colossia, and he, had, and he hosts a church in his house. But Paul is going to mention certain things about this man that make him stand out. In the, in the next verse, verse 4, Paul says to him, I thank my God always been when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith of of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul mentioned that he remembered him always in his prayers. Because I hear of you, that, caught, that phrase here, there caught my attention. Number one, is you go to Philippians, you go to Romans, you go to Ephesians, is one thing church, the churches could count on is that Paul was praying for them. He will always mention, I always made remembrance of you in my prayers. Folks, who alive now, <laughs> who in our midst can we go to them and say, I am praying for you? Who can we say we remember them in our prayers? Not in passing, but constantly. Years ago, as I was visiting Mississippi in a missions conference, um, even before I got here, it was many years ago, maybe eight years ago, when I finished my message, that was our second visit to Mississippi, a lady, a sister, came up with a little young boy and he wanted to say hi after the message. And he came up to me, um, all kind of nervous. And he, and he came up, and the mother said, say hi to the preacher. So I looked down at him and stretched out my hand and said, hi, little fellow. And he smiled. And the mother had t- t- told him, tell the preacher what, what you do with that that you have in, in your hands. In our first, the, the prior year, when we visit Mississippi, we're giving out some prayer cards. You know, the prayer card that carry um, the picture of the um, missionary family. And I guess the family got one. And she tell the little kid, tell the preacher what you do with that in your hand. When I look at it, it was a prayer card of herself. and say, oh, what do you do? 
he says to me, and this kid could not be more than seven or eight years old. He says, I pray for you and your family every night. And I look at the mother, he said, yes, preacher, every night. Ever since you came here and preached last year, he took that prayer card and he prayed for you every night. Folks, I remember the story even today because it touched my heart in such a way because who knows, it's been maybe eight years. Now he might be a teenager. And I hope not for my sake, but I hope for his sake, he had keep it up. He has keep it up. To know that someone is praying for you constantly, that take your name to the Lord constantly, every time they, they, they think of, of, of you, what a blessing. And Paul is saying to Philemon, I remember you every time I think of you and I pray for, for you. Because I have heard, I have heard. Back in those days, and now like today, it's easy to send a text, easy to send an email, or even a phone call. Communications back then, you really got to wait. When that person said goodbye, it was really goodbye. You know, you're never going to see that person or hear from that person person only via by letter for weeks or months or sometimes even years and Paul says I hear of you I hear of your love I hear of your faith I've hear of your of these things I hope you treat uh, your love for God for the Lord Jesus your love and your faith towards all the saints Philemon's testimony and love for God and love for the church was such that even the apostle being far away, even in prison, he could hear the testimony of this Philemon, of this man, of this believer, of, of his hospitality, of his love for God and for the church. Question, what is it, what are they hearing from us? What are they hearing from me? What are they hearing from this church? I hear of you, he says. He continues so, saying in verse 7 that you have more joy and comfort because Philemon, his brother, this fellow co-laborer, he have been a comfort, a comfort in love for the church, for the hearts of the saints, and he has refreshed the apostle's heart. Now Paul is going to turn the letter, after such introduction, to really what the letter is all about. He's going to turn the letter or the attention to someone that Paul is going to be pleading for. And in verse 8, he says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, you know, Philemon, because of a relationship, because of me being an apostle, I could command you to do what I'm about to say. But I want to appeal to your love. Nothing greater, 
nothing better to do what we do because of love. Not because of a command. Not because we are forced to. Not because we have to. But because we love to. Remember in the book of, of Corinthians, the same apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit told us that even God in our giving, what he says, the Lord loved what? A cheerful giver. That it shouldn't be because I have to. It shouldn't be because of command, but because the love that come out of the heart for Christ and for his church. So Paul is saying, I'm going to appeal to your love. Not just because of a relationship, but I'm going to appeal to your love. I prefer it so. No, I am an old man. When Paul wrote this letter, he stated right there, I'm old. He was older now. And not only I'm old, I'm, a, I'm in prison. I'm, I am a prisoner of Christ. And I want to ask you this. And then he says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Onesimus was a servant, a slave, that belonged to Philemon. Now, in some way, somehow, Onesimus, um, being a slave, escaped from the house of Philemon, and in those days, only if you are male and Roman, you were considered a citizen. If you were not Roman, you should have papers that show that you're free, that you either bought your citizenship or you are a free man. And if you were not, and you could not produce those papers, you will set or put in jail and then return to your owner. And Onesimus, Obviously, he ended up in jail, and in some um, providential way, he ended up in jail with Paul. How did that happen? Well, we're going to have to ask the Lord for that one. And being in prison, being in the same prison, Paul takes his time. That's why he says there, who are father in my imprisonment. Onesimus got to know the Lord in prison with Paul, through Paul. Now, again, this made me go back to that, um, to the beginning where he says, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. You see, Paul was so sold for the gospel that even in that condition, and may I say, prisons back then are not the holiday inn we, in, we enjoy today. Didn't have all the comforts, didn't have all the goodies that we enjoy today. Prisons back then were a place where a person was sent to suffer. But even in that condition, Paul, thinking of the gospel, he says, a father Onesimus in his, 
in, in, in his imprisonment. And then he said, verse, in that verse 11, formerly he was useless to you. What type of a servant was Onesimus? We don't know, but, you, but we, can, we can get from that that not, he wasn't a very good one. And having he escaped, we'll talk about that later, he most likely had Philemon in, cool, in cure in some, you know, some difficulties. Paul says he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful. Listen to this, say useful to you and to me. What changed a man from being one that was, use, was useless to one that is useful? What can change an individual from being useless to be useful? The only thing that changed in in, in Onesimus' life was the gospel. Once the gospels came in, Onesimus' life changed. And what now is useful not only for his master, who was Philemon, but even now for the gospel, for the apostle. Because now in prison, he became a helper, a helper to the apostle. Only the Lord can do that. Only the Lord can, can, can do that. And Paul now is going to intercede for Onesimus. He's going to put himself to help and to intercede for Onesimus' life. Because Paul is sending back Onesimus to Philemon. In verse 12 he says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. This man had changed so much that the apostles saw him now as a useful tool, a useful tool for the gospel. I read a poem on a chair with you. It go like this. Calling the master was searching. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one will he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I am of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold will be the best. And heeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Hear, hear, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. I am sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood. 
polished and carved and solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who will displace his content so proud, nor the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plainly earthly vessel fill with my power and might. Then gently he lift the vessel of clay, mend it and cleanse it and fill it that day. Spoke to it kindly. There's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Philemon was a man that was useless. Useless perhaps because of a past life. He, per he perhaps even looked at himself of no value. But just like us that once were astray, just as us that once were dead, just as us that once had no value in the hands of the master that emendes and cleanses, he says, pour out to others as I pour into you. Because it's not our pride, it's not what we do, it's not our talent, it's not our benefit, it's not our gifts, it's not our capacity, but the Lord's, but the Lord's. And Paul is talking to Philemon and asking him, listen, I'm going to send him back to you. Not because I wouldn't want to keep him here with me. I would love to keep him here with me. But I don't want to do anything without you being in accord. Because he's useful. He's useful for me, for the gospel. He's useful for the gospel. In verse 14, he says, But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. Paul didn't want um, Philemon to have to say, Okay, Paul, is, you know, if you want to, okay, I guess so. You could have him. It was appealing, as he mentioned be before, to his love, to his love for Christ and to his love for the church and for the saints. Oh, but now the letter turned to a very special point because Paul is not going to leave it there. Paul is not going to leave it there. Point gonna, Paul is going to go an extra step, an extra step that sometimes is, 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 is lost in in. In today's culture, look what Paul says here. Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. 
no longer as a bound servant, no longer as a slave, but more than a bound servant as a beloved brother. Hold on. Okay, let, let me finish the verse. Especially to me, but how much more to you, but in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is saying to Philemon, receiving not now of a slave, but more than a slave, as a brother in Christ. Hold on a second. Anyone here will say the opposite. We will think the opposite. You know, Philemon, no, he shouldn't be your slave. No, he's your brother in Christ. No, you should treat him better. You know, don't receive because no, he's, he's, he's saved. Paul, he's saying, no, 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 no. He is more than a bound servant. He is more than a slave to you now. He's a brother in Christ. I was thinking about that, and it made me go to, to Philippians, if you would please, chapter 2, for a second. Go to Philippians chapter 2. I was thinking about that, and I was saying, oh, in the world, being a brother in Christ is, is higher than being a slave. Philippians chapter 2, we read, So if there any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing, listen to this verse 3, do nothing from self-ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. The Christian example, the Christ-like example, is that I ought to look at my brothers and sisters better than myself, higher than, than, than myself. I got to love you and serve you, looking and esteeming each one of you higher than myself. Christ told the disciples the same. He taught them this, the same. He said, whosoever want to be the first among you, got to be the one that will wash more feet. That's why he said that example. Because he been God, he been the master, he humbled himself to wash their, to wash their feet. He said in Philemon, Onesimus now is not your bound servant. Onesimus now is more than a bound servant to you. He's your brother in Christ. He's your brother. And he's going to go on and say to him in verse 17, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. It's one thing to intercede for someone, you know, just by giving a good word, but here Paul is telling Philemon the following. If you love me, if we are partners, if we have this relationship, this man now is not a bound servant to you, he's a brother in Christ, and I will want you to receive him as you will receive me. Could you imagine when Paul came to town to visit of Colossians to that church? What do you think would happen? How do you think he will, re he will be received? They must have a special room for Paul to have the apostle. They will call everybody. We have a meeting tonight. 
tonight, but today is Tuesday. We're not church on Tuesday. Paul is in town. He's at the house at Philemon. Paul is here? Oh my, I'm going to go. Yes, tell the others, Paul is there. Could you imagine the excitement, the joy, the joy that Philemon will have whenever Paul will come and visit and that church and he's telling Philemon, receive Onesimus, this one that escaped, this one who was useless, receive him the same way with that joy as it was me. Wow. But then he got even further than that. He got further than that. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, what he says there? Charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it. Pause there for a second. Oh, we could we 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 could stay on this one a while. Go to Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. Ephesians, book of Ephesians, chapter one, verse seven. Ephesians chapter one. Verse 7, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, we read, He himself bore our sins, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all loss, lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are jealous for good works. Who am I talking about? Who are these scriptures talking about? Who are they referring to? They're referring to Jesus. They're referring to Jesus. Because when I look at what Paul is saying there, most likely Philemon had to get another servant. Philemon, most likely Philemon incurring some loss because this slave escaped and got to find somebody else to do his work. I am assuming here, but most likely Onesimus didn't go, you know, empty, didn't leave or escape empty-handed. You never know. But Paul is saying, if in anything he wronged you, or he owe you anything, you see, by Onesimus leaving according to law, every day that he left, the penalty he will, will be um, put on top already what he owed to his master. So he have to even work even harder and more time 
to pay down his debt. So who knows how long he was away? Could you imagine the debt that he incurred? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a debt you couldn't pay? Have you ever owed so much money that you couldn't pay? There are, have you ever been there? It's horrible. You know, when, when you owe someone something, you try to avoid this person, right? You don't take their calls. You t- if they're coming on one sidewalk, you, p- you go over the other s- sidewalk. You try to avoid them in the shopping, in the shopping in, 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 at the market, even at church. <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. The truth is that we had a debt that we couldn't pay with the Lord. Our debt at sin was such that we could not pay it. There's no way, no way possible that we could have. No religion, no practice, no tradition, no religiosity, no self-righteousness that we could have done to repay that debt. But then step in Jesus. Then step in Jesus who saw our need and came, took the act that was, that the debt that was against us and the Bible says he nailed it on the cross and it says it is finished, it's paid in full, it is done. So whosoever trusts in him and the work that he has done, your debt is paid in full. My debt is paid in full. Forty years ago, at the year, at the age of ten, I walked into a little Baptist church in my town that was established by an American missionary. I was ten years old, and I walked in that day. And forty years ago, I heard the gospel, and I went back and I heard the gospel again. And I remember the day I came forward as a ten-year-old boy. I came forward and. Uh, 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 one, one of the teachers took, took me out, out back and showed me from the word of, of, of God the way of salvation. I prayed that day and trust, and trust in Jesus at, at, at 10 years old to be saved. But this is what amazed me. What I didn't comprehend that day. And I believe it's true to all of us. As we've been struggling with sin ever since then? Do we still battle with sin in life ever since then? Of course we do. But it isn't great to know and to understand and to see that God forgave a 10-year-old. Today I'm 50. It's been four, four, 40 years. All my sins, and if I get to 70 or 80 or 90, I don't think that long, but, but if I get there, since I was 10, it's amazing grace, it's amazing love. That day forgave it all. Forgave it all. I forgave it all. And today we walk by his grace, trusting in that day a salvation through faith. Paul says, put it to my account. In very, very, I believe it's only one other 
part in the scripture, Paul referred to himself, like he said there, in the personal way. I, Paul, I write it from my hand. He wanted to make sure to Philemon to know, put it in my, in my account. I will repay it. I will repay it. I want to encourage you to do something because the last verse is very interesting here. Because it reminds Philemon of something very important. He tells Philemon, he reminds Philemon of the day he got saved. Look at the next verse when he says, he says here, I will repay it to say nothing of your own in me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul is saying, yes, you owe me, Philemon. Say, what? You see, Philemon and the church that was started there in his house, guess who started it? Paul. And Paul is saying, I will repay what he owe you. But remember this. You yourself, you owe yourself, you owe yourself to me in the Lord. You know, as we think about this, as I think about it, of the people that God have used along the way to minister to or my heart, to minister the word to me, to, to encourage through his word. I in debt to those people. We are in debt to them. And I think then that whatever is it, we ought to do to others is like a benefit I thank you, I thank you, Lord, for what others have done for you. Onesimus is going to have the chance to start with a clean slate because someone interceded for, 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 for him. Onesimus had, would have the chance to go back to, to, to Philemon as a youthful servant now, as a brother, because someone interceded for him. Thank God. Thank God. Whosoever that is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold what? All have made new. Jesus paid it all. And because of the gospel, you and I must and can be useful for the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to you now, we thank you so much for the work of Jesus because my debt was paid in full because of you. And today we are free to live, we are free to go our way, we are free to serve you, Lord, because of you. Because Jesus took our place, Jesus paid that debt. Help us, Father, to be useful now in the gospel and to pass on that grace 
to others. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your word. And bless us in this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.